My name is Jay Lasseter, and I am perhaps the most notorious ex-drug addict in all of New Jersey. Being revived on Narcan from a heroin overdose is tragic, and it's sad. My sponsor had murdered somebody. The way that he changed his life? How could I not? This is Heroin Uncut, the truth about the crisis, brought to you by NJ1015.com and made possible by Carrier Clinic. We're going to do something a little bit different today. You know, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is the interviews that we've actually already done. We've talked to some really interesting people, many of whom are working day and night to fight New Jersey's addiction to opiates, mothers who have buried their children, governors, senators, attorney general. We've had a lot of interesting guests and I've learned a lot from them. When my producer Lou asked me which of all those interviews we've done so far really stuck with me, you know, uh, that kind of haunts me, that was easy. That was my interview with Anthony, who, uh, like me, is a fellow IV drug user who uh, was revived by Narcan. And he described that experience for us. And we actually shared that with you in an earlier episode. But the rest of the interview was really fascinating as well. I think you're going to learn a lot. We talk about personal responsibility a lot here. We talk about grace. We talk about good luck. We're both two recovering IV drug users with 30 years of recovery between us. So to meet a fellow traveler uh, who was willing to come on our podcast and describe what that scene was like when he was revived with Narcan, it was an interview that I'll never forget. All right, my name's Anthony. My experience with Narcan was I was overdosed on heroin, obviously, and I was rescued by some uh, good people in an ambulance. Wow, so when you came to, did you like know what was happening? Were you surprised or? Like what was going through your head the minute you came to? It's actually a very strange story. I've never, I've actually never really heard anybody else describe it. So I don't really know what to compare it to, but I was really thought that I was at a party and I was sitting on a couch and there were like party sounds around me and there was a sense of comfort. And then, then I started to feel like air blowing on my face, which was the mask, uh, the oxygen mask. Right. And uh, I tried to sit up and I couldn't see. My eyes were open, but I couldn't see anything. The uh, paramedics were, were pushing me back down to lay back down. And I mean, I, that's when I realized I definitely was not at a party sitting on a couch. It took you a second or two just to register that <laughs> that you were not, in fact, at a party, that this was obviously much more serious. I mean, were you grateful? I mean, were you happy that you were alive or were you mad that they had countered your buzz? Uh, no, absolutely not. I'm, I was definitely not mad. I was far from angry. I was in shock. If I can describe being clean from, from drugs for so many years, I have a bit of perspective, and, I, and, and I, I hope I can, you know, use that just at least in this example. Please. You know, of Narcan, but I mean, like... Uh, Addiction is criminalized, right? And sometimes for for no reason, but sometimes for good reason. Not saying that addiction should be criminalized, but the you know the addict commits crimes occasionally, and a crime should not go unpunished. I mean, it's a crime, right? And uh, I I had been in jail for a short period of time before I had you know used the bag of heroin. It was one bag of heroin, and uh, I was clean before I used it. So I was I'm not one of the people that came back from Narcan and immediately got dope sick because I didn't have a habit yet. 
this was my first bag since I was released from jail. Wow. You know, it was just one bag. I was using many more than one before, so, you know, I didn't think anything of it. You had been a heroin user for a while. You went to jail, you detoxed, and then you got out, and then you did your first bag out of jail, which was a lot less than you had done before, and yet, without having a tolerance built up, you overdosed on it. Oh, yeah, immediately. Wow. I was in the, I was in a friend's car, and she, she called the police. Oh, she called 911. Thank God. I mean, the police chief that lives in my town currently was actually the guy who rescued me that day when the wow. end. I was scared. There was shock because I had I had no idea that like, oh my God, I almost died. You know, like <laughs> I'll tell you right now, every heroin addict thinks they're you know they're not the one that's going to overdose. Right. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <thought> I would. <laughs> it's not going to be me. And when it actually happened, and I was being rescued, there was an unbelievable shock, uh, a fear. Oh my God, am I going to get in trouble? Because you know I just was in trouble before. There's so many different feelings, but honestly, there's a lot of gratitude. I just couldn't believe that I had almost died, and I'm not dead. You know, the the police chief. Currently, I'm going to call him a chief now because that's what he is and he deserves that respect. But at the time, you know, he was a detective and he was waiting for me in the hospital room. And and uh, I was so weak. I don't know. You, you hear these people say that there's these stories of people being like overpoweringly strong or flipping out. I didn't even have enough power to lift my head up. Wow. He came in and he, you know, and, and he was, honestly, he was so kind. And he said, you know, you're you're in no shape to go down to the police station. We'll send you something in the mail. And I hope, you, you know, you're all right. But that and that was his discretion. Him. I mean, he could have probably taken you to jail. Absolutely, he could have. Uh, we actually, our city is one of two in Pennsylvania, two police stations that now you can go to the police station and hand in your drugs or paraphernalia and instead of them arresting you, they'll take you to treatment. Ocean County uh, here in New Jersey is pretty much the epicenter of our heroin crisis, and you probably heard of that. So the prosecutor in Ocean County instituted a policy that whenever anyone is revived with Narcan, they're to be taken immediately to an emergency room. You know, sort of put the law and order uh, hat to the side, and they're going to address this immediately, uh, initially anyway, as a medical issue. And, and they're expanding that into other counties. But And you said that there's just a couple of places in Pennsylvania where this is happening. I mean, that's obviously, you know, a long time our philosophy has been just lock them up and throw away the key. This seems to be a more balanced, less like punitive approach, but it also enables, it gives you the opportunity. I mean, look, you were, you were resuscitated. The law enforcement that handled it decided that they were going to, you know, be kind and compassionate and give you a chance to recover, which you did. You were not one of those Narcan repeat customers. You know, it only took one. You know, I'm proud of you for that, but for most people, it might take more than one. And I know people who have been rescued over and over again, and a lot of them aren't with us because, you know, they had to be rescued one too many times. What do you think would have happened to you if that police chief would have just tossed you in jail instead of letting you detox properly in the confines of a hospital? Well, I don't want to say that I know one way or the other. When I say that addiction is criminalized in ways that it shouldn't be, there are many facets of that, many realms of that. Definitely. And then when I said there are times where you do commit crimes, right. you know what I mean? And yeah. like, 
if you you commit a crime, I've done it. You deserve, you know, I, I deserved every bit of the time that I received, if not more. I had a good experience with the justice system. It saved my life at the right time and in the right ways. Example, the police detective deciding that he was going to allow the medical professionals to handle me. And, you know, we'll deal with the legal issues later. He wasn't I mean, saying that we're not going to deal with the legal issues at all, but it was a matter of priority. We need to yeah. treat this as a medical issue first and then the legal issue second. He was worried about my health first. He was worried about me recovering from almost dying, a tragic incident first. It's not like I'm going anywhere. I couldn't even lift my head up. You know, but, it was... What do you think that would feel like if you were someone who, who revived someone? I mean, surely at that point, you must feel invested in their outcome. I'm sure he was pulling for you. I don't know how you can't. I right. Mean, I, I mean, maybe Clearly. there are people who don't feel that way, but how do you not like see somebody survive such a tragic incident? And it's a sad survival. Being revived on Narcan from a heroin overdose is not like some triumphant, rejuvenating incident. I Thank mean, you. It's tragic and it's sad. And the person on the other end of that, the person who has almost died or died and been brought back is in such a need for help that I, I don't understand how somebody in that position could not like look at that and like, how can we help? In my heart, that's how I feel. I feel that I'm way sure, too. Yeah, I'm sure there are other people that, that may see things differently, but I mean, if you've ever witnessed the true horrors and the true sadness of an addict progressed to a point such as that, there are no words, no words. that could describe that. And now, we're going to take a quick break to hear from the sponsor for Heroin Uncut, Carrier Clinic. We'll be right back. New Jersey 101.5's exclusive series, Heroin Uncut is made possible in part by Carrier Clinic. Those suffering with mental illness or addiction need care. New Jersey's Carrier Clinic offers compassionate care, redefining behavioral health care with holistic approaches beyond medicine. When it's time to think about behavioral health care, think Carrier. Learn more at carrierclinic.org. You know, it's funny because two things that I've noticed that you and I have in common, well, maybe three things. You know, number one, we're both former drug addicts. Number two, we were both shown kindness and grace in a moment where maybe we didn't deserve it. Number three, we actually both sort of appreciate the role of our own bad judgment and accepting responsibility for our own situation. And when I sort of contemplate what made me successful or more successful in recovery, I feel like, you know, being very lucky and also really being willing to accept responsibility. So it was luck and elbow grease that got me to this point. And it sounds like you share those traits as well because you've mentioned a couple times you know how much his kindness meant to you and you've also mentioned that you know you've got to be honest like if you screw up you got to pay the piper oh, absolutely i mean i owed many many debts in you know in many, in many many aspects in many many realms of my life and what i learned was i don't know if this even fits into the the conversation but it's impactful to me so i'm going to say it good i used to really really hate myself hated every every little bit about myself and I, I really do believe that there are like some emotional, deep mental and emotional issues that go along with like, you know, what creates an addiction such as that in right. somebody, you know, how that sparks itself. One of the things that just kept me going was the degradation of addiction and then the way people look at you and the way you're criminalized, even if you're not committing a crime. Right. People could say all they want, but the worst is the way I thought of myself. And I always used to go to counselors and therapists and 
know, people like that and saying, like, man, I hate myself. What can I do to get better? And somebody said something. It was the most impactful statement, and it, it, cre- it changed my life altogether. It was one statement. Just to give you an example of the difference in approach, counselors used to tell me, well, go look in the mirror and tell yourself you love you every day. Right. I used to look in the mirror and tell myself I love myself and feel like an idiot. It just didn't work. Fake uh, it till you make it. Yeah, like, but it never worked. And right. then I met somebody who had lived my life and found a way out, and he says, hey, if you want to have self-esteem, you got to do esteemable thing. And it clicked for me. Like, oh, if I want to like myself, I have to act like somebody that I like. Be likable. Yeah. What do I look at in other people and be like, man, that's a good man. So I started to look at, like, who are people that I really admire? My first sponsor and, you know, my father and my grandfather. You know, what are the aspects of their lives that, you know, made them, especially like my sponsor. My sponsor had murdered somebody. My sponsor was a life prisoner. Eek. And he was one of the most spiritual and loving men I have ever met in my entire life. And he made his entire life about changing people like me's life so that we, because we had a chance, so that we never went back to prison, so that we never used drugs and died. Right. And to watch his acceptance of what he had done, you know, and like the way that he changed his life. How could I not? And then it just became about personal responsibility. No, I I feel you. Um, Honestly, I'm not a very religious person, but I'm big on grace and I know that I was shown a lot of it. And it sounds like you were too. And it's nice to connect with a fellow traveler. Look, I was a crystal meth guy primarily. So while we didn't share the same poison, I can identify with, you know, your feelings about the criminal justice system and in self-esteem and and grace and luck and you know accepting responsibility and stuff these are all the same components of my own recovery so to, to get to know you and and hopefully amplify your voice in this experience i'm hoping that the listeners are really drawn to you know your honesty but also the fact that this is just something that people don't really know that much about i mean i don't know that i've ever heard anybody describe being revived with narcan so hopefully we'll be giving them something fresh content wise but also something really to ponder still to this day you know with a criminal record there are ways that people like i could be held back but you know what man being revived with narcan which sounds like like it's like a hot button topic right now like everybody wants to talk about it i was actually at an opiate awareness council put on by the labor movement actually it was by the teamsters local there were all kinds of drug and alcohol professionals and a local representative was there and i mean it was a great experience right you know we can talk all we want about what is it like when somebody gets revive for Narcan? Is it scary? Do they just feel like you ruin their buzz? There's a lot of questions in that realm. I'm actually surprised that the more people aren't talking about it on places like radio. Or, you know, I bet. Me but, too. Yeah, about Narcan, you know, being, being people being revived from Narcan, because nobody seems to know, but everybody has an opinion on it. Isn't that something? And, and you know, the, uh, the funny thing is, like, your experience is completely legit, and I could talk to five people who are revived, and all five of those experiences could be very different, and all profound in their own way, and there's a lot of faces of heroin nowadays and there are a lot of faces of recovery i think for most people to get it once and to get the message they would they would covet that because <laughs> i was one rehabbing done too so i feel like i uh, i was able to to really dodge the bullet and relapse is always out there on the horizon but i feel good about today <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it truly is an epidemic raging across our nation and I'm seeing, you know, it get worse and worse and worse and worse. And maybe maybe I'm a little pie in the sky, but I watch countries like Portugal and what they did with their drug problems, instituting universal health care and treating it as a sickness. They found you with heroin. They would not arrest you. It's not a criminal issue anymore. And to see their, their drop, their significant drop in drug addiction and how successful they were. There is hope to me that even on an institutional level that this stuff can actually 
physically changed that if we really look at it as like, you know, hey, these are sicknesses and these are people who are sick and that need help and that like people who revived our Narcon were saved from a tragic incident <laughs> instead of some some loser junkie who did some terrible thing to himself and maybe just let him go. Is that, that's not... Yeah. Uh, I mean, these are human beings with goals and dreams right. and, and like somebody like me, I mean, I was able to go back to college. I'm in college again for my second degree and I'm a union shop steward and I represent the people at my job. I'm active in the community. and You're doing uh, esteemable I mean, things. Every single person who ever needed a shot of Narcon to survive had the same dreams and hopes. Not, you know, mine specifically, but they had dreams and hopes and a family and, you know, people that they loved. Have uh, you ever read what people say, the really hateful things that people say in online oh, yeah. news groups about people like us? Mm -hmm, absolutely. One of the local <clears throat> papers posts things pretty regularly, you know, uh, uh, regarding drug addiction or you know, Narcan or, you know, what the police department in the city that I live and what they decided to do and how, you know, losers should just, you know, you should just let them go. Let them die. It's natural selection. And I don't believe that people actually feel that way. <laughs> How could that? But but it's it's such a hurtful thing. You know the fact that it might not even reflect how they really feel, but it's just so devoid of compassion and common sense. It's hard not to take that stuff personally because like that was you, that was me. Even though I'm a really functioning member of society, you know I still have my alumni association card, and I don't know, it hurts. I'll tell you one thing. Please do. I'll say this and I'll shut up. Right. <laughs> With all that, that, you know, you just said and everything, instead of taking that personal and like looking at that and like feeling like it's, it's a reflection of me in some way, shape or form, I think about the leader of one of the local parties coming up to me recently and asking me to run for a local office. Wow. And I'm not running for the local office. It's just not time for me to do something like that. But they came to me, you know, and asked me to run for a local office. That's the kind of person that they think I am today. And that's all that matters. And, I, and that's how I look at everybody who has suffered from the disease or is recovering from the disease or just got revived off of Narcon yesterday. That person could be the guy five years down the road who we're asking to run for a local office because they're such a great person. Anybody can see that realized. People who get off of drugs are exceptionally gifted and clever and resilient people. And I think that we have a lot of the solutions to this problem. So if people would just listen to us instead of listening to like, you know, old policymakers in Trenton or Harrisburg or Washington or whatever, or mean old cops who just don't really want to do anything but lock us up, or even the hateful people online, what they don't realize is that we have gifts and skills that they would truly covet if, if they knew us well enough to, you know, to judge us properly. Absolutely. Just look at people like yourself, and I mean, you're a realization of that. I'm lucky enough to think I might be, too. That's Anthony, a recovering heroin addict, and we were talking about, among other things, his experience being revived with Narcan. That was, as I said in the beginning, uh, my most memorable interview that we've done for the series so far, and I'm really glad we got a chance to share it with you today. That's all for now. I'm Jay Lasseter. This has been Heroin Uncut, presented by NJ1015.com and sponsored by our friends at the Carrier Clinic. Please subscribe to the Heroin Uncut podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or at the NJ1015 app. Until next time, please let us know what you think. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Heroin Uncut, and I hope you'll head over there now and let us know what's on your mind. What is behavioral health care? Uh help with their emotional and mental health. I've heard of it, but I don't know.
Carrier Clinic thinks differently about behavioral health care, applying new scientific advances to treat mental illness and addiction, replacing routine care programs with alternative treatments and new measurable levels of compassionate care, leading to better patient outcomes. For the best in behavioral health care, think Carrier. For more information, visit CarrierClinic.org.